you know when you're working a night shift and it's 3 a.m. and it's like, are we drunk or delirious? I'm Emily. And I'm Hannah. And you're listening to Drunk or Delirious, a night shift podcast. been a minute yeah i i anticipate more minutes happening life has been crazy life is gonna be crazy coming up like we might yeah not be as regular as we would like so we are sorry but you know we're both working full-time and emily's in school planning a wedding i don't have many excuses but you know i had covid and stuff so (laughs) you also have a lot going on though too like driving back and forth from virginia and like just having lots of trips and stuff too so yeah we both just had so much going on and also felt just very stressed and mentally like overwhelmed and drained yeah. so it was it, it really needed. was I don't know yeah there was like that week there where so we little. were both like um are we gonna both have mental breakdowns <laughs> are we okay are we mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. pretty close <laughs> to sure, it but. yeah pretty damn close to it um but we're back we're happy to be here and yeah we might you know you might not get an episode every friday but (laughs) at least the next two yeah we're gonna do our best um yeah i mean we keep having all these ideas and like we do have a bunch of guest ideas and it's just hard with our schedules being different and also the time difference i think plays into it too and yeah but Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're here, and um, I've missed it. I mean, I, there was a point where I was like, I think I'm ready know, to, me like, too. let's get back into it. Yeah, yeah, I was like, okay. I, I took, I mean, adding all of this, and, like, you know, we love doing our podcast, and we really do want it to do well, but that also adds another layer of stress and pressure, I think, so... um yeah I know I was like just need a minute to breathe and like yeah I'm ready to get rolling and like we have some really exciting news too so um yeah we're just stoked it also was nice because even though we took a few weeks off like it just goes to show like our Instagram is still there the podcast is still there it's not going anywhere hopefully you guys aren't going anywhere Mm -hmm. that would be my things like oh but I don't think people would like unsubscribe yeah. if they didn't hear from us. I'm sure they'll see like, oh, there's a new, excuse me, a new episode out. And um, right. Yeah, that would be my biggest fear. But so far, like we haven't had any consequences for it. So it is nice that we can t- go ahead and take that mental health break. So hopefully you guys understand and we appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And we haven't even like. I mean, it, we we did FaceTime once, but like also Hannah and I like haven't talked like actually talked versus texted in a minute too so it's nice to, back to be back and do regular, that regular talking um mm-hmm. but yeah what's been going on with you what's up 
Oh my goodness. Um, well, the wedding is like very soon. Um, so a lot mm-hmm. of things are coming up with that. Just little details and like, oh yeah, I was like, I have to pick someone to alter, do the alterations on my dress and like had to get tons of quotes for that. And y'all, that stuff is so fucking expensive. It's absurd how much people charge like you slap the word wedding or bridal on something and it like triples the cost of it it's taking advantage Um, of people mm -hmm. it's yeah yep it really is and so i've just felt like i'm hemorrhaging money um at this point but it's it's fine that's what we have savings for that's what i like saved years and years for to you know money is to be spent you know at some point so um we'll be okay but yeah I finished my quarter for school and um which was really freaking overwhelming and then I decided that I'm gonna take this next quarter off because the finals week is the week of our wedding and I think that I yeah like might we do not need like you to have a panic attack leading up to your wedding we don't need it Mm -mm. Mm -mm. no not at all so I feel great about it. I'm super excited to have like just some extra time over the next couple months to breathe, even though it really like I've been done for like a week and a half and I yeah. feel like I've still been so I'm busy. Sure. I don't know how you've <laughs> like, been doing it all. Like, I, I know I sound like a broken record, but it's a lot. There's a lot on your plate. So I think this is the right decision. And I think mm-hmm. it, school will be there for you when you want to come back to it. Yeah. Yeah. There's no rush. Exactly. Exactly. I'm happy about that. I feel great. Um, I've been good. I um, went to Florida like a couple weeks ago, and that was a fun little trip to see my family and everything. So that was good. So then coming like right when I came back is when I got COVID or like I had that tickle in my throat the day that I was like traveling back. And I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, it's just like a cold or whatever. And then, uh, I mean, you I think, you know, because I was like, oh, I was texting you about it. I don't know if I sent you the Snapchat. Did I? With it running into my mouth. Oh, my mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. So I like w- mm-hmm. was like, I'm just going to work. I have three in a row. I'm just going to power through. It's going to be fine. And I kept like saying, I'm taking my zinc. I'm taking my vitamin C. Um, I'm sleeping. So maybe I'll start to feel better. Mm-hmm. And it just got progressively worse. And by the second day at work, my nose has never been so runny in my entire life. I was so glad that I had the mask on because it was like running into my mouth. It was like a waterfall. I was in and out of the bathroom every five seconds. And I I think through texting you, I was mm-hmm. like, I feel like it actually could be COVID. I was in denial about it. And then, yep, I, yeah. te- I went home and didn't finish that last shift. And then I tested. And I was positive. So that threw a wrench in everything, I feel like, too. But um it was really quick I was fine then like a couple of days after that and luckily the um like CDC recommendations aren't as strict now so I just like went back to work pretty fast and went back into the world and yeah I mean I feel Mm -hmm. great now but it's just annoying it's like oh really why it is annoying it is really annoying like I feel like (laughs) <laughs> I'm perpetually like a little sick or like have like some kind of like sniffle or like cough like our immune systems just suck right now and yeah they do um, and we were talking about this on our FaceTime yeah. but like we were saying how we yeah we feel like we've been sick so much this year 
I think I've gotten sick three times mm-hmm. and gone through like all my cold medicine. Like that never happens. I usually just my cold medicine normally expires yeah. in my medicine box. Not this year. <laughs> yeah. Like, ugh. yeah, seriously. And my ours does too. And it yeah, we can't even find like the NyQuil. And I was like, I bought a box like probably a couple months ago. We can't find it. So we probably used it. So yeah, it's annoying but hopefully we're kind of I mean it's getting warmer like maybe we won't be getting sick as often I don't know I don't know or the fact that I already had COVID again like maybe I'm better we're both yeah you know, hopefully we're gonna be covered good for, for the a while good for the wedding we got it out of our systems um I literally I just like had a thought too the other day I'm like what if I'm sick like, what if someone's sick on the wedding, their wedding day? Like, what do you do? I don't think I've ever heard of that. You know, like someone actually having like a cold or like having the flu or something. I like, feel like I heard a story wedding. on the news or something where the groom had it, had COVID and the, they still went through with it, but they, that he didn't go. <laughs> like it was a cardboard cut out of him or something. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do like, anything like the week before. I don't know. No, like two weeks before, like mm-mm, not going anywhere. Don't talk to me. Ninety five everywhere. Bring a go. mask. Get away. Everywhere, because like, yeah. What? I can't be sick. I mean, just before we did my friend's bachelorette, Val's bachelorette, and Dan like <laughs> caught the fucking plague, and I stayed at our neighbor's house like for like three nights straight so that I wouldn't be around him and wouldn't get sick like I and I didn't luckily um but still like I don't yeah everyone needs to be away from me if they're ill all the zinc all the vitamin c just like health 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 Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm sleep just get have a normal routine I think like keeping that too Mm -hmm. keeping your sleep schedule and eating you know healthy and your fruits and vegetables like will really yeah. hope so oh but i'm All so excited it is crazy that it's coming so fast i'm like oh my god it's it's really real it's really soon it's gonna be fucking april on saturday damn like tomorrow when this comes out that's mm-hmm. tomorrow like then my wedding is in june like that is only two months and crazy yeah it is crazy i have so much to do just like decor wise what like are you gonna make things. macrame um i do need to do some macrame and i need to do my flowers and i need to make signs and just like little details um kind of gotta i'm going down to the springs tomorrow to look at the mm, like mismatched so china fun. i'm renting and kind of get like a vibe of mm-hmm. you know what else to put on the tables and I'm doing my redo of my makeup oh, trial yeah, tomorrow as well. That. So oh Okay, first of all, God. it was fucking gorgeous, though. So it looked good. It looked good. I think there's some things I want to change. Um, I haven't... Yeah, so, okay. Backstory. I had my makeup trial last Friday. And we also had a photo shoot that evening in Salida with our photographers for our wedding. And I was like, perfect. I'll do my make, like have my makeup done. Like it should last all day because it's wedding makeup and like that's what it's supposed to do. And it'll be a good test. 
and then it'll be ready for the shoot and perfect. So, you know, I go to my trial and she's great and the makeup ended up looking really good. But the first time she did it, she used a really heavy, like cream based foundation. And I have like, I don't say really oily skin, but I have skin that is on the oilier side. So I, it, it, well, I looked at my face and I was like, whoa, yeah, no, uh uh-uh, that is like far too thick and it looked terrible. Um, and so we took it off and, you know, had to kind of start over and she does like skin prep and skincare and stuff before. So we had to like redo all of that and then she put on a different foundation and, um, and it ended up looking really good. And then, but it felt like wet, you know, like I would touch it and like it would come off, Mm. come off onto my fingers. Like my my hair was like sticking to my face like it just Mm. didn't like dry I don't know like it was like just weird and I put my sunglasses on and it left a mark underneath my eye like I was like okay um well we'll see and I drove we drove down to Salida and like so like four hours later we get there and I look Mm -hmm. in the mirror and I'm so fucking oily I was like okay cool um I didn't have powder with me. I thought it was in my makeup bag and it wasn't. Um, but I ended up, my powder brush was in there. So it had enough on it to like dab up the oil. So I texted her freaking out like, um, no, mm-hmm. I shouldn't look like this. And then we did our shoot and then came back to the hotel again. And I looked in the mirror and I had a full on panic attack. Like mm-hmm. makeup was just like, off my face like the all of the foundation was just like gone and it was like blotchy and red and like and it was all in places where like Dan and I our foreheads touched or like we kissed and it like rubbed off and it's like that is literally what I'm going to be doing all day on my wedding so it can't come off my face like this um so panicking and she I texted her and was like, this is what's happening. And she said she knows what she did wrong. Like she used too many like cream based products on my face, like blush and, you know, contour and all of that as well. That she used a like powder and then also a setting spray and that it probably was just like too much. And she was like, I won't do that day of like, I know what to do. And I was like, no, 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 we need to do another trial. Like I'm not fucking around with this. (laughs) Like absolutely not. Um, so she's clomping yeah. me another trial because normally I'd have to pay like a hundred bucks for it. So, um, which I'm really glad about. So that's tomorrow and I will get to see if the makeup stays and if it doesn't, yeah. like I have to find someone else. Like I, I, I can't have No, and I think like to an extent, like. I always expect my skin to get somewhat oily just because I'm an oily bitch. But, like, you can't be like that. It can't be, like, like coming off like that. And it's so soon. Like, it has to last all day because, I mean, we're going to be getting mm-hmm. ready early in the morning. And then you have to last their pictures. And then you have to last at the ceremony. And then you have to yeah. last at the reception. Like, and by that point, it's like, yeah, we're going to be sweating. But, like, you want to like, look good for at least eight hours. Like... <laughs> I need to look good for at the min- bare minimum because we are going to be starting to yeah. take pictures 
at like 1.30. Like I, that's what I'm getting in my dress. And then we're doing like bridesmaid reveal, kind of that situation. And then Dan and I are doing a first look at two. And then like, so from 1.30 and the makeup will be done before that, right? So like, let's say 12. I don't know when she's going to be done. 12, 12.30. It needs to last until mm-hmm. midnight. It needs to last 12 hours at the minimum. Because no. I don't also want to look no. fucking haggard when we go to our after party. <laughs> and we can do little touch-ups. Like if, it's, so, if we need a little powder. Okay. Okay. But yeah, I can't. It was too much. It was too. It was too much. Yeah. It was so bad. So, yeah. And what was frustrating is because she like convinced me that I didn't need to get airbrush makeup. And... Because, you know, she's a medical esthetician and she knows skin and like it, her, no, no bride has ever had to touch up their makeup and blah, blah, blah before I booked with her. And I was like, okay, like, great. Yeah. So it better fucking stay on my face or I will be. And if you have to find someone someone else, I like airbrush. I mean, when I got that for Molly's, that was the only time my skin like did not, I didn't touch it up actually at all. And it was fine. Jen's, I loved the makeup. It looked a lot like yours. It was very dramatic brows. I loved it. It was like a lot. And I thought it looked so good. But I was Mm -hmm. so oily too. And I was like, it felt, it just feels gross. And Mm -hmm. I kept powdering. But Mm -hmm. it gets to a point when you put so much powder on too that it's like, it's it's a nasty film. Yeah. I just, like, it <laughs> yeah. didn't look like my skin anymore. Like, also, like, I could see it, like, under my nose area, like, above my lip. I was like, yeah, I, this just looks weird. Um, but I do, I feel like I want to do, she did a lot of, like, contour on my forehead. Like, but there was still, like, a kind of a line. So we got to fix that, like, tone that down. I think we're going to do okay. a shorter lash, but still, like, full like that. But that one, those were pretty long, and I feel like... I don't know, maybe not as realistic for like an entire wedding day. Um, And I think with the brows, I think I want to go like I'm looking back at them and they felt like they were just had a lot of product in them, you know, versus like like a heavy product in them versus just like a pencil. Like they had like a ton. Like I feel like I want them. I'm going to show Hannah a picture like kind of to look more like like that just like a little and I I think that's kind of maybe what Lauren was saying my my friend my maid of honor I texted her she was like I think it looks good the brows look pretty heavy like maybe they could do like a little bit mm-hmm. of a softer brow for bridal and I was like oh, I really like them and then now that I'm looking at like the pictures of what I actually want I'm like no I think I think that was very hard like it could I want them to be yeah perfectly shaped and everything but like no I don't know what she put in it it was was like like hardly thick yeah 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 and honestly like the brow trends are changing like I feel like full brows are obviously still in but like 2016 was like super product like if I look at old pictures of myself I I like filled them in a lot more and now I've just switched to gel mm-hmm. like now mm-hmm. I just gel them up 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 and then I'm like oh I think that looks a little bit yeah. better so I feel like 
if you're trying like the risk of being trendy like you want it to kind of look timeless so that might be better going yeah. a little later so i mean i think they look exactly good, yeah just like i think so too yeah. but just just a little softer really like if she could have outlined them with a pencil maybe and like not put as much like in you know the middle or whatever yeah. i don't know to the start of your brow like not put as heavy there and kind of like yeah a more like glam okay. brow look well, i don't know I how can't to describe it i hope it goes better oh my gosh it better it better yeah i'm pretty nervous it better it better because otherwise i'm <laughs> fucked <laughs> maybe she can but stay on all finding night someone and touch like, everybody up all night. <laughs> yeah i mean something i don't know but but everyone's like okay well bring your own products and maybe she can like use those like use my foundation that i use or like lauren she's so sweet she was like i just sent you this stuff from sephora like i got she got me like a primer a good primer and then like the laura mercier like setting powder she was like little minis um she was like okay have her try these because these are like i mean that i've heard from like everyone that that setting powder is like that's amazing hopefully that works so yeah but it's awkward it's awkward though to be like hi i brought my things um yeah but don't feel awkward because it's 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 your day it's your face it's your pictures yeah i will if I look in the mirror on my wedding day and I look the way that I looked, tears will be last shed. Friday, uh, yes, I will. I don't, fucking we, break don't down. we don't want I that. We don't want that. No, we want a happy okay. bride. Mm-mm, mm-mm, I will not. <laughs> she goes the other day when I was there. She's like, "Yeah, like you can pay me um, anytime before you know the wedding day. Um, you know, it's not due until like that day. But you know, if you feel like paying me early, you can." And I was like no <laughs> um i'll see yeah. how it looks and then we'll we'll go from there so i'm glad i didn't but i still put i've sure. already put a lot of money down so it better work out yep otherwise that's oh my oh, God. almost 500 dollars in the drain that would suck okay well <laughs> yeah <laughs> well um we recorded an episode a couple weeks ago. Yeah, and, and that one I think had get. an intro too. So you're about to get double introed and then a little a little snippet of what we what we recorded on uh, addiction and NAS. But now you get to hear us talking in the past a couple weeks ago. <laughs> Enjoy. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. Ugh, I wish there was one store where I could buy all the things that I need for my shift. Wait, have you heard of Adney? No. What's Adney? Adney is a holistic marketplace for healthcare workers. Think Amazon for healthcare. Really? So could I get like scrubs from there? Yes. What about compression socks? Yes. I mean, hmm, even like cute nursing apparel? Absolutely. And they're all brands that have been vetted by healthcare workers. Some are even healthcare worker owned. Oh my gosh, wow. Ooh, I just found the app and the website. They have everything you could need and such great gifts for all of my healthcare besties. Yes, check out the Adney app in the app store and adney.co, that's A-D-N-I, and check out the link in our description and Instagram bio for 10% off your order today. Hi. Hello. 
I was also thinking today while I was on my little walk with Charlie, like, should we have an intro phrase that we say? Like, I know, like, some podcasts have, like, a, hey, weirdos, or, like, like, oh, hey, yeah. de- what's up, delirians? Like, because... <laughs> How am I ever going to say that without laughing? <laughs> delirians. Delirians is what you guys Hi, delirians. That's to be called. You picked it. You picked it. I mean, we can always change it if you guys hate it, but... Yeah, we can test pick. it out and see how it sounds. Like, hey, delirians, what's up? Yeah. Something to that effect. If you hate it, we will not say it. Any of the people who, well, who didn't see our stories will be like, wait, what is this? <laughs> Like I did not. I did not this. choose this. <laughs> That's a stupid name. <laughs> I think it's funny because it's like it delirious and like kind of like aliens, alien, but like kind of yeah. like something I don't know, otherworldly. Which I feel like we like to talk about like spooky or like weird things. Very too. true. It does tie that into it. it does. I didn't even think of that. Hey, delirians! <laughs> Happy March. <laughs> Happy March. Happy Emily's birthday month. Whoop, whoop. When Emily's old out, ass is 31. I'm gonna be 31. My, um, right, when this comes out, I will be, it will be 10 days away from my birthday. Woo. So. That's crazy. That's exciting. Yeah. It's just another year. <laughs> 30 was a big one. And then, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's just another year. But you give yeah. me hope for my 30s. You know, like, I think a lot of people are like, oh, my life's over. And it's so, like, meh, meh, meh. But it's like, no, girl, you're hot. You're living your life. Like, 31. I don't know. It doesn't feel like we've said this so many times. I don't feel 31, whatever 31 yeah. is. Um, because I think I'm, probably like, perpetually, like, 24 years old. So, same. Yep. Although, yeah. like. We've done a lot of growing, you know, like, mm-hmm. yes. so you can still like grow and mature, but still be fun and youthful. Yeah, I feel exactly. like you just have to have both. Exactly. It's a balance. It's all about a balance. I was thinking recently about like a friend, oh, an acquaintance that I had in college who, when we were 18 years old, acted like she was like 40. Oh, and, and like those people kill me. <laughs> I'm thinking about, like, us now. I don't talk to her, but, like, if I were to talk to her now, she'd probably think I'm so immature, like, you know. Mm -hmm. But I just feel like it's, for me, it's, like, it's an energy that people bring. It doesn't really matter about age. It's, like, it's a mindset and it's an energy that you bring and it's a choice. Like, if you choose to be, like, oh, I'm old and my life's over, then that's, like, that's that for you. But, like, I'm sorry, but no, I refuse. I will always be fun. Exactly. Uh, yep. I will always have fun. Like, even when Dan and I have kids, he says some things like, you're not going to want to travel. We're not going to travel for like a couple years after we have kids. And I'm like, I'm sorry. What? No, I am not going to be that person. And like, watch me be that person. No. <laughs> but like, my goal is to not be that person. I still want to go and do fun things and like bring our, our kid along with, but I know it's going to make it more difficult, but. You're going to be sure. fun parent. It definitely slows down. Like, I'm sure things change, but, like, it's possible. You just have to, you have to be intentional about it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I would, like, want to dump my kid off. At, I mean, not dump them. That sounds terrible. But, like, have them go to grandma's house, you know, yeah. for, like, a week. For if it's, like, a abroad trip. Like, if we're yeah. going to Europe or something. Like, no offense, but I'm not bringing my baby. 
no you need that time alone yeah it's a it's a balance but yeah I always want to travel and and I want that to be like a part of my children's life too you know Mm -hmm. to an extent like I want them to like appreciate national parks and hiking and like all the things that I like so absolutely totally here for it yeah it'd be fun at the same time just all the fun but we'll talk more about your b-day when it comes but what else is new um well work today was quite interesting um I can't remember if I mentioned on the pod if I like that I like being in the pre and post world more now than the OR but I was forced to be in the OR today okay which is fine it's fine I tolerate it like it just gets like really repetitive and like boring be it's like stressful to be in close quarters with the surgeon at times just because he you you just have to act a certain way or like say certain things and he can be like really intense at times so it's just it it takes a lot of pressure off to be on pre and post but we had a patient today that um you know our patient population is older like that's just comes with the territory it's cataract surgeries like they're older the patient today um much older and like we have a certain cutoff for giving um like the valium that we give um so she's Mm -hmm. uh, too old to receive it that's fine we've had that several times and um just kind of doing her pre-interview before I took her back to the OR and like she also had one of her hearings her hearing aids out like couldn't really hear me um which is unfortunate like you know and um her daughter was telling me that she reads lips better um so I like you know kept pulling down my mask and like trying to talk to her and um seemed like it was going okay and then we brought her to the back and um we were trying like once you like get the patient in the room we lay them down they have to like scoot up in the bed because a lot of times their head their head has to be at the top of the headrest and a lot of times they're like way far down in these beds so we have to scoot them up every single time and she (laughs) wasn't like hearing I think the instructions that okay we were trying to tell her like we need you to move up we need you to move up and like nothing was happening and like she was looking <laughs> at us but nothing was happening <laughs> and we were like okay. the lights are on but no one's home yeah <laughs> and so we like you know ended up pulling her up to the top and everything like with the draw sheet and so then I go back over and I'm doing all my charting and then all of a sudden I hear like something hit the ground and I turn around and I see that the like we do betadine drops within the eye um yeah like brown betadine drops because it you know it's a sterile area we have to make it sterile see that like all over the floor everywhere oh. like that oh. had flown and then my coworker goes why are you hitting me <laughs> i was like oh my god what, what? so she was going to we have to do drops we have to do all these things like my coworker was going to put the drops in the eye yeah. and lady just like hit her arm out of the way like super hard and like the thing flew and then oh the lady was gosh. like I didn't hit you and we were like what <laughs> uh what you, you did was she kind of like crazy um, like I don't I don't like using that word but was she some, you know. Well, we nothing was like communicated to us that she had any like 
psych- sort of cognitive diagnoses or, yeah. or any diagnoses of that sort. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were like, what is going on? And like, my poor, my poor coworker, like the arm that she hit is the arm that she just like had surgery on and I had the, like the shoulder situation and she was like, it is hurting. And I was like, oh my Aww. God. So I like took over um, and did like finished prepping. And then she kept, uh, the patients have to keep their hands down because you can't, if they bring them up to their face, it's a sterile area. Like you can't do that. And right. so she kept like bringing her hand up to cough <laughs> and we just kept saying like you can't you can't do that like you have to keep your hands down and she like was not yeah was not um and then it got to the point where she like just like the scrub tech got um upset like or he was like we cannot do the surgery if you keep bringing your hand up like you can't do this and she told him that he was rude and she was like, well, you just hit my nurse. So you need to not <sighs> like you need to listen to us because we can't do this surgery if you're going to do this. Like we right. want you to get this. But like you, you and, you know, we're trying to like speak very loudly to her and like and it seems like she's getting majority of what we're saying when we're like saying things very loud and then she like sat up and like wouldn't sit down wouldn't listen to any of us like the doctor came in she wasn't ready and we were like (laughs) we don't know what to do she won't lay down like I don't know and he like finally got her to lay down and so then I wrapped like (sighs) I wrapped a big a blanket around her shoulders to like Keep you gotta do NICU, NICU style yeah. swaddle that because I mean this is a terrifying thing like you're someone is going in your eye like I can only imagine that your automatic response is to like reach your hand up and like swat someone away like sure yeah I don't want shit going in my eye either but you can't have that happen during surgery so no. we know that some people are a little more anxious and um we do like kind of like wrap them a little tighter so I try to do that. And then they have to put a sterile drape over her, um, goes over the eye and then like kind of over the face and head. And then we lift it up off of their mouth so they can breathe. But it like will be on there for a couple minutes, like a, like a minute, if that, maybe 30 seconds, it'll be over their mouth. No, <laughs> she, I was she like, was not having there. it. I was standing there trying to like, I like was ready to you know if her arms were gonna go up while he was like draping her and she was like she just like i can't breathe get this off my face get this off my face and like trying to get her arms up (laughs) and like it was what a scene they were like trying to like kind of like restrain her so that he can actually drape her and then we can get it off her face like we're trying to explain that to her like it's coming we will but he ended up just like taking it off and like walking away and was like, Yeah, we can't do this surgery. Like, she needs to be under general anesthesia. <laughs> and that's awful. It was so, like, it was so stressful. <laughs> Seriously. I felt so bad. And then, and so I don't know, like, I felt so bad for her and like the whole situation because I know she was so scared. And didn't really understand what was happening, but we also weren't communicated to that, like, 
you know, she needed more explanation or like that we should have like talked to her with her hearing aids in, told her everything we were going to do, but we didn't know any of that. Um, Or if there was any sort of uh, confusion going on, you know, like none of that was communicated to us. And I feel really bad for her, but... um, do you ever give patients like anything for anxiety or like it's just the valium we give them oh. oral valium so oh. she was too, oh so she couldn't have that she was too old like too old to get it um is there another option for okay. nope then not right now like normally um and other surgery centers they can go like we have they have an anesthesiologist and we could do like a general anesthesia case but that's just like completely different than what we're doing right now everyone's awake they don't so give, like, Ativan or anything like that, no. Mm-mm. That would be nice. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know if we could even give it to her at that point because. Sure. I know. I felt so bad. That's, that sucks. That sucks for. No, I think they're fine. Um, I think it's, like, hard for everyone involved, you yeah, know? Yeah, it was, like, like very it sucks stressful for, her, but for us and, like frustrating because your poor coworker. we needed to this is what we're trying to do we're trying to get you your surgery and like but you're not understanding what we need you to do and like I feel bad for that and then yeah my coworker is like god she's like I'm so pissed like her arm she was like it just hurts like I'm just so annoyed like that that's the way she hit it like is a way that my arm can't bend right now and like now I I'm in more pain and I'm like oh. this is crazy this is like a little taste of adult land <laughs> I mean yeah. I can't even imagine like some of these like combatant and that's a first patients. like that we've had but anything like that and I think it should have she just it should have never been an option I think um for her to have the surgery that way Right. Uh, unfortunately, but... Like, yeah, it sucks, like, learning the hard way like that. Mm-hmm. I know. And I don't know that they, like, really communicated. Like, the doctor... I don't know if he communicated it to, like, her daughter well enough. Like, mm. what happened? <laughs> but, yeah. Right. Um, yeah. That was uh, my morning. That was your morning. And it was really... <laughs> and I was like, God damn, I need a drink after that. That was so stressful, but... I, I feel you. I'm finally getting my my drink post post three in a row. That what was that? I mean, it was a couple days ago, but I'm like, I feel bad. Yeah, I feel bad. Yeah, tell us what about you? What's going on in your world? <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Well, you already know, but I'll just tell it again. <laughs> but love it. I'm here for it. This was just crazy. Like I'm feeling better about it. Like now I'm just more proud of like how I handled the situation, yeah. but, um, I was really shaken up at the time just cause I'm, I'm extremely like sensitive about that topic and everything, but basically what had happened to me and it's, it's just like not the first time that I'm running into scenarios like this where I'm working. So it's hard for me. Um, I'm just so used to working on the West coast and being around so many like-minded individuals, like in California and and Washington, Seattle, stuff like that. So coming back to, I mean, Pittsburgh's kind of like Midwesty area. Even that was shocking for me in a lot of ways to see that not everyone has done like the same growth and education Mm -hmm. that I have. 
um, not to like toot my own horn, but I just feel like we should be more loving and accepting of all, all people. But you know, this is America. So I'm obviously living in, I mean, I'm obviously working in, in West Virginia, um, which is a more conservative place. Mm -hmm. And I was just minding my own business as always sitting at my desk. And I heard a couple of nurses talking about how on, I'm not, I think something else came up beforehand, but they started talking about basically transgender and non-binary people, but without using that language. Um, oh yeah. I'm like, they wouldn't know. <laughs> they don't know that language. <laughs> um, but they were talking about, um, trans people. And then they started talking about how on Epic, there's a new tab on, on our Epic anyway. And it's like, it's basically asking about people's pronouns, how they identify, um, and um, I don't know, just basically a, a sheet on that. Okay, cool. Like, if I saw that, I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, yes. And move on. Like, that's not weird. Um, and they were like laughing about it. Oh and my gosh. they were just like, saying really inappropriate things and I could hear everything that they were saying and they were just being super insensitive and saying like well what are we supposed to do like ask someone what they want to be called and oh that's so awkward and like and they were like they said I don't know I forget what exactly what they said but then one of them was like ha 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 don't report me oh my god like like they knew that they were being assholes basically and they thought that they were just having this, like, conversation between the two of them because they couldn't see me down the hallway. But I'm just, like, seething sitting there, like, getting just so mad. And for those of you who don't know, I mean, it doesn't really matter because, like, anybody Anyways. should be pissed off hearing that. Yeah. But, like, my sister is trans. Um, so, like, I'm just – it's I'm sensitive about it because I feel like you're attacking my family. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And – and I just feel like I have to be extra, de like, defensive about it because it's something, like, if I'm, if she's not there to, be, like, defend herself, and, like, they shouldn't have, like, she shouldn't have to defend herself. Like, it's, it's up to us as, like, advocates of the LGBTQ community to defend mm -hmm. them, you know? So, anyway, I ended up going up to them. And this is, like, I'm proud of myself because I I'm, am I so like proud of yourself. <laughs> Thank yourself. you. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> Thank you. I feel like I've changed a lot in like the past year in this way. I'm like getting more. I I mean, who likes confrontation? Confrontation, but I just feel like I'm getting more comfortable with it, um, and having like these uncomfortable conversations. But I basically went up to them and I said, "Hey, just so you guys know, I heard you talking from over there," and the one nurse just went and like put her hands to her mouth, like she was like shocked. And, like, n automatically knew. You know? Like, they know. And I was just like, yeah, I heard you guys talking. And just so you know, it's really offensive to me. And my sister's trans. And you never know the, who, the, who the people are sitting around you. You don't know how I identify. You don't know, like, what my history is. Um, you don't know people's stories. And we need to be like accepting and loving of all people regardless of like your political views and they were just like <laughs> they were just, just like shocked <laughs> um they immediately apologized and 
I mean, it was somewhat defensive. Like, I think, you know, you're in shock when you're called out like that. And, like, especially when you're so used to saying Speaking that things. way. Yes, yeah. speaking that way. Um, it can be shocking, and you don't know how to react. But they, I mean, whatever. They were a little defensive about it. Like, well, you just have to understand that it's, like, our generation. And, you know, like, this is new to us. And da-da-da. And I'm like... I get that like I mean of course like my parents have had a harder time coming to terms with you know it it is Mm -hmm. a generational thing to an extent like I do understand what you're saying but it's inappropriate to speak that like I don't care you can you can think whatever you want I'm not here to change your mind I'm here to just tell you that's inappropriate to talk that way at work and you need to be sensitive and Mm -hmm. like you need to be sensitive if we do i mean i don't think in the nicu it's even going to affect us because the parents are not our patients so it's not like we're going to be interviewing the babies but maybe in labor and delivery yes postpartum there are some um, parents i've had that have been trans or like identify differently absolutely Mm -hmm. i just don't know if it would be for us to interview them or if it would already be in the chart from like labor and delivery or something like that got it yeah Mm -hmm. but but yeah absolutely like we see it we're going to continue to see it and it's the respectful thing to do to educate yourself and to there's nothing there's nothing embarrassing or shocking or rude about asking someone what their pronouns are it's nice it's a nice thing to do like everyone should like I like when people have on their badges at work like these are my pronouns I don't I don't see how that's like I don't if you're offended by that then it's like it doesn't make any sense yeah that literally makes no sense for you to be offended by someone identifying identifying as she her they them he him like it why does it matter to you right and it has nothing to do with like I don't know I feel like they just don't have any experience with people that are transgender or non-binary so to them it's like this other thing but really mm-hmm. it's like we like you don't even know like some of your coworkers probably are you know it's like mm-hmm. you they don't even realize that it's like it's not about an even a, an appearance thing like I could have the pronouns they them mm-hmm. I don't but like mm-hmm. they just don't grasp the concept no so I was proud of myself for sticking up for that and like they're probably not going to change but at least they're going to like think twice next time and that's yeah. what I care about. Exactly. Yeah I'm so I mean that's such a terrifying like confrontation to have like I'd be so afraid to like walk up to someone but like it needs to be said and like it's not like it that the community deserves for that to be said and that trumps my fear or like you know like whatever like they need to hear it yeah they need to hear like us advocating for the lgbtq community because you're right and it's the same for like people of color and racism and Mm -hmm. everything like that like if i found myself lately in situations where it's a test and it's like do I want I've had so many situations in the past especially like years ago where I've been in a situation and I felt uncomfortable and I didn't know how to respond and I stayed quiet Mm -hmm. and now I 
know that that is part of the problem. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really important to stand up for people when they're not there. I mean, always, but like, yes. that is our duty as as allies and as advocates. So mm-hmm. that's my encouragement to everybody to just, you know, be empowered and stand up for what you believe in. And you don't have to be aggressive. No, you can like, say it in a loving way, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a great way to do it because I think that's going to be received better than like someone just coming at you really um, with, I mean, you were angry. Obviously, and like rightfully so but like the way you said it was very like eloquent I think they received that better than like yelling at them yeah exactly what but that's been my work you kiss more what is it something honey and bee I don't know catch more bees with honey bees with honey then I was like kill catch what (laughs) I I think that's a saying yeah so yeah that's my work sorry mm-hmm. if there's any I mean not I'm not sorry actually but hi to any of my West Virginia friends who listen I'm not trying to like talk shit on it as a place or anything like I still like it and there are like so many lovely people there but it's just been different for me that's all sure mm-hmm. I, I think it's important to talk about so I think so too I think so too yeah pivot 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 (laughs) well this week (laughs) well (laughs) we are talking about another like i guess it's mildly controversial as well um yeah topic in the nikki world though we're talking about nas uh which is neonatal abstinence syndrome and just kind of going over like what that is what we see in the nicu and like then we wanted to really touch on it too from like the mom side of things because they they still matter in this and trying to get a better um you know idea of what they're going through on their end and how to support them better in the NICU yeah and I think there's like so much stigma I mean obviously it's like not ever good when we see babies that are addicted to drugs like Mm -hmm. it's very upsetting um yeah but there's a lot of judgment I've seen that come from the nurse's side and I think it's really important like I I mean I know we have some listeners who maybe don't know what NAS is so I think this is going to be really educational for you but I also Mm -hmm. think for people who do know and who are NICU nurses I think this is going to be educational for you too because um, it's just important to kind of learn about like the different reasons of, of maybe like why someone would be taking drugs or like you know, realizing that it's just not easy to just like quit cold turkey and having compassion is part of our job. Mm-hmm. So it really is. Very well said. Yeah. Well, let's uh, dive on into what NAS actually is. So, like I said, it's neonatal abstinence syndrome. And this happens when babies are withdrawing from drugs that they were exposed to in utero. And it can lead to some long-term health problems like hearing and vision, learning and behavior issues, definitely. Um, and it's most often caused by women taking opioids, but can also be caused by a variety of other uh, medications like um, antidepressants, barbiturates, and like benzodiazepines. Yeah, and like 
I think antidepressants we see a lot and they still Mm -hmm. definitely withdraw, but like that's such a common prescription for so many people. Exactly. And there's like the risk benefit situation as well. Cause I know that there are some doctors that it depends on the person, but they tell you like, okay, let's go off of your, your meds while you're pregnant. Um, but there's some people where like, that's not going to be safe to do so. So they have to be on their prescription. So just understanding that. And like some opioids are obviously prescription too, Mm -hmm. but sometimes, you know, people will be on a prescribed opioid and then they just happen to get pregnant. And then like, it's so hard to, it's sometimes it's like so dangerous to come off of, which we'll we'll get into that later too. But, and sometimes people are taking like, they're on Suboxone, you know, to like wean off of an opioid addiction. So and that's very important for them to take as well. So I think just kind of understanding all of the different scenarios and nuances around surrounding NAS is really important. Yeah, I agree. Um, and so how it kind of works is, you know, they the medications, just like everything, will pass through the womb into the placenta. And the placenta is what feeds the baby through the umbilical cord. So that's just how it gets to the baby. So they're just swimming in all of the things that we take and eat. They Um, really are. And some opioids are like codeine, hydrocodone, morphine, oxy, tramadol, heroin, and fentanyl. I would say like we see heroin and fentanyl a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. But I don't think that, I mean, typically people are not just like, let me just try heroin real quick like I (laughs) I don't think that's really how it happens and maybe once in a blue moon but like usually what happens to people who who struggle with addiction is they have a prescription and they become addicted and their prescription runs out and they're desperate and they are struggling and they are like withdrawing and it's ugly and they're in such a desperate need that that's when they turn to something like heroin or fentanyl. So it's not like mm-hmm. someone's just like, ooh, I'm going to try this. It sounds fun. Not really right. how it works. No. Absolutely not. Um, yeah, so some signs of withdrawal that we see in the NICU is uh, our tremors. Um, you can just tell, like, babies have normal tremors. Um it's uh, the moral reflex, like that's a very normal thing. They you know, startle them and they tremor a little bit, but these tremors just happen all the time and like do not, not do not calm and like or it's like a very overactive moral and it, it you just know you can tell, um it's not normal. Um, I see seizures, like I said, the overact hyperactive moral, like some hypertonicity. They're super tight. Um, some excessive or high-pitched cry, um, super inconsolable. They, like, suck at feeding or they, like, puke all the time. That's <laughs> poor sweet babies. Um, or the excessive sucking reflex. So that's, like, you put – they need to be sucking on something literally all the time. Like, it's very self-soothing but uh, for, for them. But, like, a passy falls out of their mouth and, like – they lose they're mad about it <laughs> their ever loving mind um they can breathe really fast uh fever sweating loose stools and diarrhea um get some excoriation um which like happens i think from their like repetitive movements on like you know um 
rubbing up against things like it's not normal chin and, I know, and stuff like that mm-hmm. and i know that some places have like scored a diaper rash for that but it's not actually like the excoriation isn't of your diaper area isn't due to like nas um correct and well it's from the diarrhea but it's not like like right exactly yeah it's a different score mm-hmm. yeah um and then they don't sleep very well in between feeds and like yawning excessive sneezing more than three times in a row um you can count that and then a lot of like nasal stuffiness yeah i'm glad we're on the same page about that because um where i am now they will if a a kid has diaper rash they will score them for excoriation every single time and i'm like no 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 it's new excoriation and it's not like like you said it's not a diaper rash like that's how i learned also Mm -hmm. Um, and And i would say most places do it that way yeah it is like a really important like educational topic for NICU nurses because I think it, it can be different everywhere and like and new things and things have changed and evolved even like over the time that I've been a nurse as well um so true and in a way like I think the scoring can be slightly subjective just based on nurse to nurse because if there's mm-hmm. one nurse who's always scoring the excoriation and then like I come in and I'm like no I'm not scoring that <laughs> yeah know. there are some nurses that like you'll be more generous with your scores or like some that are like very like no I'm not scoring for that I'm not scoring for this and you're like okay and it does honestly it does dictate the way that they're treated though these scores so they are really important (laughs) and we're talking about scores um we haven't even spoken about what that means but um (laughs) yeah I wrote somewhere about scores um Oh, I just put for testing. You yeah. test their urine, their poop, basically, and then we score them. So as the nurse, like, we are the ones who are looking for the all those signs that Emily mentioned. And there's in the charting, each symptom has is worth a certain amount of, of points, basically. Mm-hmm. And then you get a total amount of points, and then there's a guideline. So it's like if the score is over 10 or over 14 or whatever it is, let the provider know or you give a rescue dose of morphine and whatever whatever you know different per policy and per facility Mm -hmm. but basically that's how it works um some so the signs of nas like will depend on also like the specific drug that you're taking the amount of drug um and then also the gestational age which is super interesting Mm -hmm. i wrote on the note why though because I couldn't find like true information on this. I'm not sure if you know exactly why. Um, but typically if you're like a uh, 20 something weaker born mm-hmm. and the mother was on, uh, on a drug during the pregnancy, like they will not um, withdraw the same way that a, like a term baby would. Yes. Do you know why that is? Well, off the top of my head I think it's because of just the way that um or the stage in which their brain has formed like where they are in that um progression in their development because maybe those you know neurons that like cause the um the withdrawal like haven't formed yet I think it's yeah. something to do with like that. Their development is like too immature to respond to the drugs that are in the system. Whereas like you get to like a closer to term baby, like 
their brains are almost fully formed and so they're gonna have more effect from that it's a blessing for them because can you imagine like I just feel like preemies are already dealing with so much like Mm -hmm. that is that would just be like too much I know it's so sad so other things that can happen from having um a an exposure in utero um the baby can be low birth weight um they can get more jaundice have seizures like we said a higher risk of SIDS they're going to have a higher risk of developmental delays and motor problems um, behavior and learning problems some speech language issues sleep issues um more ear infections and vision problems and I do think that this is something I feel like I saw working a little bit in home health like I didn't know the full history of some of my kiddos but um there you can just kind of sometimes tell that like something was going on um earlier in their in their life um Mm -hmm. that maybe has caused some of the the learning and developmental issues that they had. Um, so you can definitely tell later on in life what was going on. Um, and I think I like also had, you know, parents who had adopted kids that right had NAS when they were born. Bless them. Mm-hmm. Sweet, 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 sweet angels. Yeah. Yes. And then what we do when they come to us in the NICU is, like we said, you know, we're going to test urine and meconium confirm it and then um score them every feeding time so usually every three hours and then we give them i mean again every policy is different a lot of places now are doing eat sleep console so -hmm. it's great if you have like volunteer cuddlers in your unit who are able to like hold these babies because that's what they really need Mm -hmm. but like a lot of the time they don't have cuddlers or there's not enough and the nurses, if, if they're on a three-patient assignment, I can't sit there and hold them all day. So Eat Sleep Console is great in theory, but it's not always, like, feasible. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of the times, I mean, most of the times we're giving morphine, and I've seen, like, clonidine, too. Yep. I also, my first hospital, we gave methadone. Was Interesting. What we gave. Mm-hmm. Haven't I seen think, that yet. Yeah. So when I went other elsewhere, I was like, oh, morphine. Okay, Interesting. But mm-hmm. they've transitioned, I think, since to doing morf- morphine now. But yeah. okay, just a fun fact. Yeah. Um. Yes. So that's kind of like NAS in a nutshell <laughs> in the NICU. Um, and there are going to be some areas that you see it more often than others. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when I worked in Colorado Springs, like that was like a, a lot of our patient population were ch- kiddos with NAS. Um, but then when I worked in like, Stanford, uh, sure. Palo Alto area, like that wasn't as prevalent. True. If at all. Yeah. Yeah. I see it a lot now in West Virginia. Um, but yeah, true. Like Just when different. I was in like La Jolla or like Santa Barbara. Yeah. In La Jolla, my patient population was, like, all older parents, like, 40, mm-hmm. and all, like, IVF, or, like, two dads and a uh, surrogate, like, a lot mm-hmm. of situations like that. It was very interesting. It is really it is really interesting what you see, just the different areas you go to, which is, like, the it is. amazing thing about travel nursing. Right. 
so many different and varied experiences. So many. So now we're going to just talk a little bit about addiction. Just I have some statistics here. Um, these are from the CDC. So um, the number of pregnant women with opioid use disorder has quadrupled from 1999 to 2014. Um, 7% of women reported using prescription opioids during pregnancy. So I did a little math. So there is about 3.75 million births in a year. So 7% of that is about 262,000 500 women every year wow. who are using opioids during the pregnancy. That's a lot of people. It is a lot of people. And then of that 7%, 32% of them reported not being counseled by a healthcare provider about the effects that they can have on their baby. So lack of education. So that's 84,000 that, people. Uh, thank you. <laughs> and of that 7%, one in five reported misuse of the opioids so either getting them from a non-healthcare source or using them for a reason other than pain relief so obviously <laughs> because they're the devil like those drugs are Very so addictive. addictive i mean i hope i never experience that I, even if i'm mm -hmm. ever like prescribed that i don't even want to touch it because it can happen to anyone. anyone and i think that's what people need to understand like it's not just like this faraway thing that would never happen to you like it has destroyed families and like mm -hmm. you know people with successful careers and like yeah it's just horrible but and then of that seven percent also 27 percent want to cut down or stop using like people don't want to be doing this right yeah um of what is your interpretation of that the seven percent one in five reported misuse so it's only the other, like, what's the other four? I guess that? they're just using it as prescribed, okay. I'm guessing. Okay. Um, okay. I don't know. I was just like, why am I confused by that? So I found, an, uh, like, a case study, basically. It's called the Health and Justice Journal. It's by Rebecca Stone. And she just basically did a case study about um, – uh, detoxing moms and everything so this is information that I found from that awesome um so when a woman is already pregnant detoxing is not an option um this can kill the baby so the uh, the options that they have are you know to start taking methadone or subutex at a treatment center um and so that's why like I said we will have babies that have been exposed to that um, and they will have to withdraw from that as well, but it is better than um, withdrawing from like the heroin or the fentanyl itself. Um, and so a little bit about what, what is methadone. It's an opioid that is administered under medical supervision um, and that we used to give babies uh, <laughs> when they were withdrawing as well. Um, so that would, I mean, it is interesting that we use the same medicine on both you know parent and baby where we used yeah. to at least i think the the science or like the reasoning why they switched over is that the babies had a harder time withdrawing or yeah um weaning from methadone it's interesting than they do with morphine mm -hmm. it is yeah i wonder like have they tried morphine for moms i don't i wonder i guess yeah. i'm just curious and a lot of patients do really fear that stigma that being a methadone user um, 
will affect their jobs, their relationships, healthcare. Like, I mean, you know, I'm sure the moms that come in are you know, really terrified to reveal that information to, you know, the healthcare professionals taking care of them because they don't want to be judged. Um, they're right. afraid of what's going to happen. And so them, then they don't baby. seek treatment. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of the time, there's a lot of fear. So I also read that pregnant women, like they can easily get into the methadone clinics. I feel like they're treated as priority, but then non-pregnant women have a much harder time. So it's kind of like a cycle. Like what if you are uh, a person who can have a baby and you're addicted and you're trying to get help before you get pregnant, Mm -hmm. but like it's so much harder to even get in. So that's kind of messed up. Like it should be way more accessible to people who uh, want treatment, first of all. And then mm-hmm. another issue is insurance because Medicaid can cover you um, for like getting methadone while you're pregnant or you've recently given birth, but like it expires pretty much after that. So people are afraid, like, what am I going to do yeah. once I don't have insurance? Like I can't pay out of pocket for this. So those are things that hinder people from actually going to get help. I mean, we're not as a society making it like easy for people to like get treatment when we have created this problem as a society in the first place by just like over prescribing and you know everything Mm -hmm. and then like as emily mentioned like the baby still does withdraw from the methadone and a lot of moms are not educated by the doctors or whoever's prescribing the methadone like they're not educated that this is still going to happen like you're Mm -hmm. still going to have an nas baby and it's going to be like not normal it's Mm -hmm. not going to be like your your regular um sweet little newborn i mean they are um really hard to take care of yeah it can be really it and it's yeah it's really hard when you are in a three baby assignment and you have to take care of your other two kids and you hear your other baby just like crying and is inconsolable and like there's literally like nothing you can do um but it is really helpful when like the parents the mom you know can be there and like hold her baby and like that's really what the kiddo needs is like mom's touch and to be held like yeah um yeah and it and i know it like yeah there is a stigma about addiction and our moms coming in who have been addicted to things and having their baby withdraw and us as nurses just need to like we can't judge anyone uh we don't know their story and we need to encourage and empower them to be as involved in their baby's care as they can because that's what's going to be best for both of both mom and baby yeah yeah, it's like a very touchy subject. I feel like mm-hmm. a lot of people are instantly like, oh, I could never do that to my child and all this stuff. Like, and I'm just like, never say I never. hope. And like, yeah, I and <laughs> I, I am guilty of like when I started as a NICU nurse, like this, I am guilty of that. Yeah. Um, of thinking that way, but I lacked education in it. Um, and I think that that, is one of the big away big takeaways here is that there's lack of education for mothers, there's lack of education in healthcare surrounding this. 
um, and nurses and how to handle it and how to score the babies and just all of it. Yeah. And like most often the best thing for the kid is to be able to like go home to their family. Like Mm -hmm. most often there are certain situations where it is not safe for that baby to go home with those parents. But like it should be our, our priority to like, as long as, I mean, not as long, but, like, if the mom and the dad, they're, like, involved, they're coming in, they are seeking treatment, they are seeking help, like, that is going to be, like, a better situation a lot of the time than, like, being put into the system because mm-hmm. that can be detrimental. I mean, there are certain, also certain situations where <laughs> I've seen these NAS babies go home with the, the most lovely, amazing people who have been infertile and they haven't been able to have a baby and mm-hmm. it's, like, the biggest gift. Like, that is beautiful, too. But I think encouraging healing like in mm-hmm. and second chances I think is important and just I mean I, I think I'm a little bit of a naive person sometimes I think I can and sometimes I think in these situations parents can be manipulative not always but like they can be because they're mm-hmm. used to being that way mm-hmm. so it's hard that's one of those hard things yeah because you have to be like empathetic while also looking out for the best interest of the baby Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's tough it is hard to navigate and every situation is so different like you really have to take it like a case-by-case basis um it yeah it's tough luckily it's not our um our job to decide but one thing that we can do is I always like chart when the parents are at the bedside. I mean, this is for every family, any situation, but I, you know, always put in like mom, dad at the bedside holding, like specifically mm-hmm. what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And if they are uh, behaving appropriate, inappropriately, I'm sorry, then m- mark that too. Like yeah, that, that's our so, job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just to, and then to document if something specifically happens, like to document that in, plain terms just like exactly what happened with no um bias in it <laughs> you're just supposed to say this is what was said to rn this is what happened to me. <laughs> yeah like mother stated <laughs> yes mother stated in quotations like yeah you're very thorough with your documentation yeah that's all we can do that's our part of it but mm-hmm. also just yeah i mean just reserve your judgment or like say whatever you want in your head but like don't treat people differently um because like you said um we don't know the circumstances or their mm-hmm. story or th- their reasoning and it's also not really our business either and it doesn't really matter like at the end of the day it's like this is still their baby and this is still the situation so mm-hmm. our job is to do our job and yeah yeah love on those babies and support the parents exactly as much as we can yep and that's all we have to say about that (laughs) yep i'm like that is sums it up perfectly Um, (laughs) um that is our short little uh nas spiel nas spiel um I don't know. Let us know if you like it, and yeah. we'll do more, like, NICU diagnoses in the future like this. Yeah, exactly. We were ta- chatting about that as an idea, and so if you guys would want to hear it, like, we're all for it, because I think there's a lot of, like, really interesting stuff that we see and that we 
can talk about that a lot of other um, specialties don't see or that people just have no idea. It's just right. a very niche area. Agreed. Yeah. Well, that's all she wrote, so... All right, love you guys. Love you, Delirians. Bye. Bye, Delirians. I feel like we got some good stuff in there. Maybe. This podcast is produced by Emily Richardson and Hannah Quirk. The intro music is by Dan Lemire. Please help us out and rate, review, and subscribe. You can find us on Instagram at drunkordelirious or send us an email at drunkordelirious at gmail.com.